Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Sure Top Roofing presents the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, Shingles and Materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. You heard the man. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. Afternoon, my name's Eric Smith, and with us as usual from Sure Top Roofing, it's Donnie Blanchard. How you doing, Donnie? Doing great. How are you today? Doing fine myself. I Good. I appreciate you coming in again because then the show would be quite boring. <laughs> I don't know about that. If you want to know what we talked about on previous shows, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Last week, we talked about the battle between gas, electric, and battery-powered tools. And surprisingly, we both said a lot of the cordless tools, mm-hmm. basically uh, string trimmers or weed eaters, <laughs> blowers, things like that, are really good now compared to just 10 years ago. Yeah, or, I think batteries one's pretty safe to say. Yep, and insulation differences and caulk versus sealant. By the way, on the insulation, somebody else that works here at the station was talking about he caught that, uh-huh. and he mentioned the word cellulose. And I'm like, you really were listening. Yeah. And he goes, I didn't know there was a difference. I, I thought all insulation was fiberglass. That's exactly right. You can listen to those shows and others and download them at thecarolinacontractor.com. Now, today's subject we're going to talk about is something that when you decide at your house to make, say, a renovation, you're going to redo your kitchen, or you're going to get a new roof from mm-hmm. SureTop Roofing and Donnie Blanchard, who gives free estimates, or say you're going to put an extension on your house, who do you have to call? Well, you want to call a contractor, and depending on what you need done and how many trades are going to be involved, you may need a general contractor if it's a lengthy, in-depth project, or if it's just an individual trade like a roof or heating and air unit, then I think it's okay just to call the roofer directly or the HVAC guy directly. This particular instance that I'm going to talk about today comes from personal experience, and, and we just went through something where we were up against a contractor who not only had fewer certifications, but his installation methods were not apples to apples with ours, and uh, we had to create a list for this particular homeowner association to go by so that they were using fair criteria to judge both folks to do the work. So you both were bidding on the same project then? We were. We okay. Were, yes, sir. And so this project was about a $300,000 project, and I want to say that we we were about $30,000 difference in price. Well, I knew that our price was really competitive, so I did a little research to try to find out where we may be off or where our comparisons were not apples to apples. The first thing I did, and I'm speaking about another roofer here, and you can do this with any subcontractor to find out if they're certified through the manufacturer that they represent. So whatever products that they're putting in there, you know, usually that manufacturer's website will state what qualifies an installer that has been pre-approved by that said manufacturer. So this particular guy we were going against for the roofing job had on his website that he was certified through two of the three major manufacturers, which are GAF, CertainTeed, and Owens Corning in the roofing world. Well, I did a little homework there, and I called the reps for each company, and not only did he not have a certification, he let his certification expire back about three years ago, so he still had that information on his website. His Better Business Bureau listing was actually certified, and he did have an A rating. Uh, we have an A+, plus, but he, he had a couple of bad reviews on there over the years that were definitely worth reading, so that's another thing mm. you can do. So help me here, Donnie. A homeowner can go to 
GAF or CertainTeed or these other ones and find out if the rating they claim to have is actually accurate. They can, exactly. So that's a user or a homeowner user-friendly system. It is made to be that way on purpose as a contractor locator, but also a background check for homeowners to be able to access. So, for example, you're a GAF master elite installer, correct? Exactly. And, and that's searchable by a homeowner. It is. And okay. I want to say there's uh, less than 3% of roofers in the nation are designated as master elite, so it's not something they just give out. So this guy had at one time certifications, but now they've all expired. Yeah. Well, the difference in the certification is you can be certified and then you can be the top tier like the master elite, mm-hmm. which gives you a little bit better warranty. And there's just a few other things involved on my end with training and continuing education. But yeah, this gentleman had some misrepresenting buttons on his website mm. that he just never updated. And, and what all that means is that the warranty is as much as double for somebody who is certified to install that roof. And in a residential application, for instance, you get these 30-year shingles, 30-year architectural shingles, and right out of the pack, they're prorated. So you get a 30-year warranty, and right out of the pack, they're being prorated from day one when you put those on. Me, as a certified contractor, the difference there is that that same shingle, if I install it the way that GAF tells me to, I get as much as a 50-year warranty, and that's non-prorated. Whoa. And just to show how much they believe in their shingles, they actually make that warranty transferable one time. So, you know, there are going to be a lot of roofs that they claim to see 50 years, and uh, that can only be attained by using someone who's certified by that company. So in theory, the homeowner or business owner could have this gentleman install, mm-hmm. but if there's an issue with those shingles later on, mm-hmm. they will find out the hard way, sorry, you're not covered That's the same exactly way. Right. That was not. They weren't certified to the level we, we require for that right. type of coverage. The certification wasn't what yielded the biggest discrepancy in our prices. That turned out to be the materials, but I'll get to that. Um, the way that we are required to install these roofs to get that 50-year warranty I mentioned is we have to do a full perimeter starter strip. And I think a listener question came in a couple weeks ago where we addressed this, but I'll touch on it really quick. The starter strip has to be installed on the eaves as well as the rakes. If you ever see a big windstorm, it will usually peel shingles back from the end over. So those starter strip up the, the rakes really help combat that and give you a stronger wind warranty. To get the wind warranty, you have to use a six nails per shingle. And uh, this gentleman I bid against only had four. And uh, those are the main things that qualify you for an extended warranty. The other thing he backed off on is that he was substituting three-tab shingles for a ridge cap. So a three-tab shingle is about a 20-year shingle. You can take a three-tab shingle and get three ridge cap out of it if you cut it straight up the lines in one-foot increments. They actually sell products across the board, each manufacturer does, that is made to be used as a ridge cap. So the three-tab is, is not made to be used at the highest point of the house that has the most sun exposure. And if, it, if you're thinking about it in terms of a lifespan, you're taking a 50-year shingle and putting a 25-year shingle on the very top of that 50-year shingle. So no-brainer, which is going to wear out first. Right. Just a handful of other things. This guy was also using uh, tar paper instead of the synthetic underlayment. He didn't have any ice and water shield accounted in there. And when you're talking the amount of squares or a $300,000 job, that adds up to about that twenty or $30,000. And real quick, Donnie, what is the big difference between using just tar paper versus the synthetic underlayment on the ice water shield? The, uh, the ice and water shield goes down directly against the deck. And across the board with all the major manufacturers, they all recommend that you use ice and water shield in the valleys in mm-hmm. this part of the south. And uh, we go the extra mile. We actually take extra ice and water shield, and we put it up against chimney protrusions or any type of plumbing vents that come up through the roof. What this product does is it seals around the shaft of the nail. So any nails that go through it, it seals around that nail shaft. So if any water should get in, say the pipe boot goes bad in 15 years before Mm -hmm. the roof expires, uh, that's not going to make it into the house. So 
Ice and Water Shield is the cheapest insurance. Uh, the synthetic underlayment, I started using this as a builder, and it was really popular to put under metal roofs. And after I used it as a builder, I was such a fan because it kept my house so dry between the framer finishing and the shingles showing up. All my plumbing, mechanical, and electrical subcontractors were just really thrilled to be working in a dry house in wintertime. So <laughs> the uh, financial upgrade, it's totally worth it. But, so it's uh, good assurance, and now we go to insurance when it comes nice. to contractors. Yes, sir. That's the next thing, and I won't go too in-depth on this, but a lot of these guys and um, some of the manufacturers refer to these guys as chucking a truck or tank top Tommy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know these guys show up, and, and maybe they've been doing this for 20 years, and maybe they do an okay job, but number one, they don't have that certification. Number two, they don't have insurance, but if they do have insurance, uh, chances are it's a ghost policy. So we talked about this recently. Uh, right. Listen up to what this is about. So the ghost policy basically ensures the owner of that business only as if he is working alone every single day. So if you have a insurance policy from uh, any kind of contractor that's going to be doing work on your house, if it has his company name, you're probably okay because you can't go to an insurance company with your company name and say that you provide a certain service like roofing or, say, underground digging or something like that in the name of the business, and the insurance company give you a different rate code than they would uh, otherwise. So if it's just the individual's name on the insurance policy, chances are he's the only one covered on that job site. Which would mean any of his employees or subs, if there's an issue, his policy doesn't cover them, no. and who can be liable for that coverage? The homeowner certainly the homeowner. can, and heaven forbid, you know, there'd be a death or something like that. It would just get really ugly. It's a five-minute phone call to cover yourself in, in any kind of avoidable circumstance there. But, yeah, check to see if they have a ghost policy. That applies to workers' compensation and general liability. When you request that copy of their workers' comp or general liability, it's important to ask them to put your name on the bottom of that certificate. So this is really routine if they are insured fully and they know how this works, but you would ask them to put Put your name and address at the bottom, and then they email it to you directly so there can't be any funny business with fake certificates and that sort of thing. The agent's information will be listed and usually in the top right-hand corner of that certificate. So even if the phone number is not provided on there, you can look the phone number up. I recommend making a quick phone call and just directly asking, is this a ghost policy or is this company covered? Now, Donnie, I see on trucks for contractors things like insured that we mm-hmm. just talked about, or they say fully insured. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see fully licensed. Right. What can that mean or what should it mean? Well, depending on the trade that you're using, of course, plumbing, mechanical, and electrical are Mm -hmm. required to be licensed in those trades. And, of course, that's not uh, like a painter or a cabinet guy. They don't have to have a particular license there. But especially with things like plumbing, mechanical, and electrical, you want to make sure that their license is current. Uh, You can go to nclbgc.org and you just enter in their name. Or if you already have their license number, you can enter that in. And it'll tell you in about 10 seconds whether or not their license is valid, when they got their license, when their license is going to expire, and hopefully that's after they do your work. In my particular field, we run into this a lot, and we are full-blown residential and commercial licensed general contractors. So we basically have a license that umbrellas anything we want to do trade-wise. And uh, the rule in North Carolina is that you have to be licensed to do that trade on any job over $30,000. So mm-hmm. this alone disqualified my competition in this particular instance. So we went into all of the other ghost policy and certifications, but realistically, he didn't have the license to even take the job on. 
This might be a weird question, Donnie, but if a general contractor or a contractor who's required to have a license showed it to me and he's going to start work November 15th mm-hmm. and his license expires the end of the year mm-hmm. and this job might last several weeks, mm-hmm. should I be wary of that? No, I think that it's probably okay. Uh, one thing they've done to streamline the license renewal process in the last year is that they do it all online now. It used to be all paper and mail system, and now uh, they basically do it online. You submit everything, and it was really nerve-wracking the first time I did it, but I also was approved within 24 hours. It used to take weeks to get your approval or your renewal, whichever you were going for, but now it's almost instantaneous, and I think it's good for the folks on the inside. When you call up there, I used to take note that they weren't very friendly, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> about one out of ten people would really want to talk to you now, and so it seems like it's a different vibe at the contractor licensing board, so maybe that had something to do with it. I can't imagine the thousands of applications they have to review every single year, but um, that's a great question. So as a roundup, basically, when you're needing to hire a contractor, number one, make sure their license is up to date. Make sure their insurance is covering their company and anyone that works for their company, including their subs. And you can review if they've got their certifications they claim by going to related websites. And you can check, of course, BBB and Mm -hmm. other places just to know they're on the up and up. Right. You would be amazed at how many people just don't know to do that, but it doesn't take much time to do a little digging and everything's on the Internet these days. So I suggest if someone's going to do any work on your personal house or Mm -hmm. business that, that you do a little bit of homework. All right, you can get details. We'll have them put up at thecarolinacontractor.com. Donnie Blanchard of Suretop Roofing, a general contractor as well as a roofer. Now, do roofers have a license? There is a roofing license, but it only encompasses roofing. And so uh test is pretty darn hard. So if you're going to go through that, my recommendation is go ahead and just get your full-blown general contractor license. All right, coming up next, we're going to do questions from listeners just like you. You can submit them at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Donnie goes through them all and answers as many as he can. And we've got several here today. And also coming up, math, next on the Carolina Contractor Show. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor presented by SureTop Roofing. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor, presented by SureTop Roofing, with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And it's the favorite part of the show. Phone the neighbors, wake the kids. It's time for questions to be answered by Donnie Blanchard of SureTop Roofing. Do you have a question? Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can submit them there. And you can also uh, listen to past shows, download them, and get more information about the subjects we've been talking about today and past shows. Today we've been talking about contractors in general and what you as a homeowner need to do before you hire one. But questions are what we're about now. Are you ready, Mr. Donnie Blanchard? I think so. All right, question number one. Our house is on a hill and we have minimal tree cover. We are on our second roof and still losing shingles during heavy windstorms. What shingle roofing material has the best 
wind warranty. I right. didn't know there was such a thing. There is. Uh, we touched on this a second ago when we were mentioning. Oh, the, I should have been paying attention. Uh, yeah, right. The six nails per shingle and the full perimeter starter. Uh, this is pretty much the standard wind warranty for everything we put on, but it's 130 miles an hour. I don't know if you remember when the inspector came in, he commented that that's actually going to be building code from here on out. So uh, one of the major code changes is they require that 130, but so the wind warranty is based on how the shingle is installed. It's not a special shingle. No, it's exactly right. And uh, the way you install it makes all the difference in the world. And I think it's the similar code to what they have down in Miami-Dade. So mm. they've went all out in terms of uh, matching the most wind-prone area that you can possibly live in in the southeast. So in this particular instance, these folks were not interested in doing metal. The, the wife was not a fan, and you know how that goes. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, yeah, I was a quick learner with that one. Mm-hmm. Um the wind warranty on the metal is a little stronger, but if you don't like metal and you don't live within five miles of the water at the coast, then, you know, you can get away with shingles. Uh, one thing people don't really know about is that they make these different thicknesses of the shingles. So where a standard architectural shingle that has the 50-year warranty, it's it's the best bang for the buck, but not the only bang. So the line we talk about all the time with designer shingles have several shingles that are a lot thicker, where that standard shingle has three bundles per square, a square meaning a 10 by 10 section. Some of these designer shingles are so thick and heavy that they have to break the bundles into smaller portions so they are as many as four or five bundles per square. So it all comes down to weight with these and what Mm -hmm. I recommended to these particular folks is they pick out two or three designer shingles and I'll give them two or three price points and any way we shake it out, we're not going with standard architectural. Their house doesn't have any tree cover, and they get some really mean northeasterly winds coming through there, and, and they all seem to be coming off on one side of the house. Of course, we checked for a few inferior installation techniques, and they seem to be installed well. It's just that these folks don't have anything to break that wind, and I think a heavier shingle will do the trick. You just said break wind. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that. I can't resist. No, I can't. You're I gonna, it. If you're going to hold the football for me to kick it, I'm going to put it through the uprights, and I just did. <laughs> All right, Whole House fans, you had a question about this, or you marked it as a comment? Uh, Yes, we actually had someone reach out uh, about Whole House fans, and I thought I would just kind of touch on this. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not something that's common anymore, but, you know, we've done remodels in the past on older homes, and it seemed to be something that that people banked on in the 60s and and 70s before the advancements in the HVAC world with with heating and air and uh, sear ratings and things getting technical. You know, a lot of folks just crack their windows and turn the whole house fan on, which was usually located in the center of the house. And basically what this thing does is it gives you a built-in breeze. And um, people think, well, that's going to save me all kind of money. I don't have to run my heating and air. But if you've seen one of these fans run, especially the older version, they still take quite a bit of power to run these. So it's, it's not a, a direct savings, but it definitely doesn't take what a heating and air unit does to run. I don't have one personally, and I don't, I've never lived in a house with one of these, so it's really hard for me to comment from personal experience. But if you were considering one of these, uh, I guess the first thing to consider is how tight is your house? Do you have any fresh air introduction? And if you don't know that, you know, contact your HVAC person. They can probably tell you what SEER rating unit you have and, mm-hmm. and, you know, where the fresh air intake is, if there's one at all. And just some things like that matter before installing a whole house fan. But uh, if I were buying one of these, the criteria I would look at is how quiet is it and how well is it insulated? Uh, the only thing we've ever had to do with a whole house fan is a retrofit on the insulation portion because what this is is a big hole in your ceiling and it acts like a return. It just sucks air up there. Well, where does that air come from? Uh, In most cases, if you do have a tight enough house and say it was insulated in the last 10 years, basically you want to crack a window. You want to give that fan outside air to pull in. You don't want it to pull just wherever it can because it's going to pull air in around outlets and places Mm. it's just not supposed to flow. 
One other thing to take into consideration is the air that you're pulling in from the outside is going to be a humid air usually. You want to pick the right time of year to actually run this thing, so it's not going to be something you can use year-round. I would have somebody come out and assess it. Each situation is different, and I wouldn't just go plug one in there and see how it works. Mm. This is a pretty major undertaking and pretty major surgery for the house and attic. So definitely needs uh, need somebody to lay eyes on that and maybe talk to your HVAC folks and uh, get everybody on board and on the same page before you move forward with this. On to the next question. What is the significance of air changes per hour in a room? I didn't know there – is that something you measure or what? Yeah. So it's actually uh, with the energy auditors we always – mentioned on the show, when they do a blower door test, they basically cover all the vents in your house and uh, they make it where no outside air can make it in unless it's through a crack in the house around the windows or, you know, say something on the outside leads through to an outlet where would be an unusual place for air to transfer there. But uh, the, the air changes per hour is how they tell how tight your house is. What it is is the time it takes your HVAC system per hour to cycle the air out that was blown into the room an hour ago. So basically the air changes per hour is dictated differently for every room and depending on that room's use. And so if it's in a, a business, for instance, it depends on the number of personnel working in the area, whether commercial or residential, the frequency of access to the room comes into play. For instance, you know, a kitchen requires more air changes per hour than a bedroom and uh, different uses like restaurants require a lot more air changes per hour than a place where only a family of five lives. And so mm-hmm. just different situations dictate uh, what air changes per hour is acceptable. And basically the air changes per hour will tell you if your HVAC system is balanced. We okay. had uh, we had one a situation in my personal house where we have a guest room that's right above our air handler in the basement, and that guest room was always freezing cold. You go to the other end of the house, we have what we call a craft room, which was intended for something totally different, and the girls took it over. Mm-hmm. The craft room is always a little bit muggy, and so it's because it's the furthest distance away. But there are dampers and ways to control those supply lines that will fix all that, and getting a good reading on your air changes per hour is the first step in figuring that out. Now, is there a way to measure it? I mean, what's... Uh, yeah, so basically you just have to know the vo- the volume of a room. So if you wanted to start simple, you would need to do the uh, the cubic measure the cubic footage of a room, which is length times width times height, like, uh, let's see. Well, let's do this, yeah. like the studio. Yeah, let me see. Let well, me here, we'll measure the studio. Tape measure here. Donnie always has a tape measure <laughs> with him. It's kind of weird. Job. Right? <laughs> All right. Okay. So we measure the length of this room, yep. which is, what do you uh, got? We got 15 feet. All right, now let's do the width. Okay, got it. All right, uh, what you got? 12, and we're going to do the height here. All right, hold on. Okay. With 15 by 12 by 9. All okay. right. Got cool. it. Got it. All right. So then you, you're you going to take those numbers. Yep. Put them in this little formula. We'll put the math uh, quiz up on the website, right. thecarolinacontractor.com, while Donnie's trying to figure those numbers out. And if you want to measure your own room, it's a great thing to do with the family. Well, the air changes per hour equation is the CFM times 60 minutes over or divided by the volume of the room. First thing you have to figure out is the volume of the room, which we just did. 15 by 12 by 9 is 1,620 cubic feet. Gotcha. So you do the multiplication there times 8 over 60. That will give you your required CFM. You take the CFM number and plug it into the air changes per hour equation. So it's CFM times 60 minutes over 
the volume of the room, which you already have that calculation. But most important thing is to go to the chart that explains the, the ideal air changes per hour per that room and pick out what kind of room you're trying to test out here. And, of course, this is just a way to do one single room, mm-hmm. but it's important to see what the recommended and required air changes per hour for that room area or use is and and then doing the math just to check behind but this is something that's much better suited for an energy auditor or a heating and air guy because they can go much further in depth than we are here on the on the show and it'll really give you a good picture of what you can do to make your house that much more efficient and we'll put that math problem up there on the website thecarolinacontractor.com and if your kids misbehave you can make them measure the uh, cubic (laughs) feet in of a room of your house. Yeah, that'll, that'll teach them. All right, next question submitted to the thecarolinacontractor.com. Is there someone locally that could help with a drainage problem from water coming downhill from my neighbors and causing wetness and water in my basement? Yeah, this is a good one and something that I've seen a lot over the years. And the main thing you have to take into consideration, especially when you have a basement leak, is how is that amount of water getting that close to your house? I know we've said this over and over, especially recently, but your house requires 10 feet of positive drainage in every direction. So this particular gentleman, he basically had a downhill slope headed towards his house from his neighbor. So he got 100% of the runoff from his neighbor and that runoff just had free access to his house. So every time the water ran towards his home, that left side of his house caught the majority of that volume. The first thing to do or the least evasive approach is to go out there and create a swell. So come about 10 or 12 feet off of the house and have someone with a little skid steer like a bobcat or something come in there and basically cut a trench. And then you taper the dirt away from the house down to that trench and make sure that if any water has a direct shot at the house, that water is being redirected around the front and the back of the house and not just having a, a clean path to get to the brick. And what was happening here is the water was accumulating around the uh, base of his house, and eventually it ran down and eventually it made it into the basement. Now, if it's a much more extreme situation, the only answer is to get someone out there with a backhoe and excavate, you know, the high side of the house and basically take it all the way down to the bottom of the basement wall. Uh, what has to happen there is uh, you'd put a corrugated drain in at the very base. You would waterproof that wall after cleaning it properly and, uh, The main thing you have to do is protect the waterproof agent. A lot of people don't realize this. Any kind of coarse aggregate that's mixed in with that dirt is going to work on that wall and probably will compromise that waterproofing agent on there, and especially over time with nothing to protect it. So they make a a couple of different products, but one that we like is a rollout product, and it's plastic on the front and like a felt on the back. And basically what this does is it causes the water barrier to stay about a half of an inch off of that basement wall. So any water that gets directly against the wall kind of runs down like Plinko. Like the that's a that's a I always use that <laughs> but, analogy, but But you don't win any money. You don't win any money. You just don't have water in your basement. So you save money. But Same anyway, difference. when you backfill the basement wall after you do all those repairs, that is a very important part of the process and it's not very expensive either and it makes sure that nothing can ever touch that waterproofing over the years, which will allow you to get the lifespan out of your waterproofing. It is the Carolina Contractor Show. We thank you for joining us. By the way, you can go to the website and get more information on the subjects we've talked about today, thecarolinacontractor.com. Listen to past shows. Uh, Donnie's going to post some information, including that math problem for your kids if they misbehave. And if you need something checked out at your house, your roof, you've got something you're not sure about, maybe you've had storm damage. If you've got a leak, there's the sure sign you need to call Donnie Blanchard and Suretop Roofing. He and his crew will come out. They'll look at your roof. They'll look underneath it. They'll check it and be able to give you a free estimate or tell you what's wrong. Or maybe the best news, I always say, is there's nothing wrong. So imagine you call up Suretop Roofing. Donnie comes out, looks at your roof, and says what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. All right, and we will see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to The Carolina Contractor, presented by Sure Top Roofing. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com and tune in next Saturday as we continue to help make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.